Lebanese Festival tomorrow and Sunday, 241 Horizon Drive, Raleigh. Everyone's invited to enjoy an authentic Lebanese celebration with food, dancing, music, and Lebanese beer and wine. Admission is free. What's the fiduciary? This is Doug Lewis, host of Money Matters, Saturday and Sunday evenings at 5 on WPTF. As fiduciaries, we're required to place our clients' financial interest above our own. At Lewis Financial, we spend as much time planning our clients' taxes, retirements, and estates as we do designing their investment portfolios. You'll only pay for advice, never a commission. Find out how you can become a client. Go to DougAndLinda.com or call 919-872-7000. That's 919-872-7000. The following is a paid program, and the views expressed are those of the hosts and guests and do not reflect the opinions of WPTF or Curtis Media Group. Information provided is of a general nature. Listeners seeking specific advice should contact a licensed professional in the appropriate area. Welcome to Heart Health Radio with board-certified cardiologist and internal medicine specialist, Dr. Franklin Weefold. Heart Health Radio, Heart Health Radio, oh, 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 hearthealthradio.com, Heart Health Radio. Heart Health Radio is meant for information purposes only. Before taking any action, talk to your doctor. I think this radio show is for information, entertainment, and for giggles. And Some, for us to have something to do, usually on Saturdays from noon to two. Exactly. Tonight it's seven p.m. Friday night. Go, UNC. Yeah, we've got a, a basketball game tomorrow, so clearly we couldn't do the show during the exact time the basketball players are playing. So, so we're going to do Heart Health Radio two hours tonight. So, would you please? Call us up sometime during the show, 919-860-9783. Some of the stories that we're prepared to talk about include breakfast. Is it really the most important meal of the day? I'll give you my opinion, and then we'll compare it to everybody else. Okay. And I I actually, this week, started eating breakfast. Why? um, Because I was getting hungry in the middle of the day, or in the middle of the morning. So I started eating um, oatmeal. Okay, that's which good. Is, it's it, well. No, no, no. Oatmeal. I listen. Yeah. If there's somebody out there, yeah, who thinks oatmeal is bad for you, okay. Oh yeah. I'm gonna do what Elon Musk said to Putin. What's that? Single combat. Okay. <laughs> I will. If you tell me that oatmeal is bad for you, I will do single combat on TV. Oatmeal no. is one of the few things. Okay. That nobody. Nobody could say is bad for you. All right, now what Think I about do. That. Think about that. Do you know much more? No. Name no. another food that can't be bad for you no matter what anybody says. I assume kale. Uh, yeah, that's bad for you. I mean, you know the why? way it you tastes. What? Because you get so depressed that you're eating this stuff <laughs> trying to be happy. Now, kale. there's one meal, okay, that I think everybody could agree is controversial. What's that? The Big Mac. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I go all by Big Mac equivalents, okay? Yeah, think about it. The Big Mac is 450 calories. Okay. okay? And it's composed of really crummy calories, too, because it's got the bread in it. Right. So when people ask me if they can lose weight only by exercising, Mm -hmm. I do the Big Mac equivalent. I say, how much, if you eat a Big Mac, how much do you have to exercise to get the calories off? (laughs) I don't know. And it's hours. Hours. Really? Yeah. Okay. I mean, exercise is really good for you. 
Sure. And oatmeal is really good for you. But you got to get rid of the simple carbs and you got to exercise too. Sure. Okay. And eat your oatmeal. I'm going to tell you right now, you hit the jackpot on what you're eating for breakfast. You See, know why? Why? It's a complex carbohydrate. Okay. With protein. Right. What does that mean? Uh-huh. It means that it's not going to raise your blood sugar right. because the carbohydrate is not going to be broken down into single sugar molecules. Okay. Remember, everybody out there, that white bread you see, yes, one slice, is the same thing as five teaspoons of sugar for your body mm. because all it is is a spun-out molecule of sugars linked together. Mm-hmm. And so when you eat that, it's the same as your body sensing five teaspoons of sugar. Right. So if you told me I had white toast and uh, cinnamon sugar spread, yeah, and, but the fact that you just volunteered that you're eating oatmeal for yeah. breakfast, I mean, I'm like, there's a tear in my eye. Well, here's I taught you something. I'm saving your you, life. You did, but I'm going to mention, you know. You put sugar in your oatmeal. As Paul Harvey would say, the rest of the, the story. The rest of the story. I put a little bit of granola in it. Okay. But it's the granola that is really dense uh-huh. with oats yeah. and and nuts and, and raisins and, and, yeah, just a little bit of sweet. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So what you could have done What's that? is get some berries, okay? Now, mm. you think about natural sugar, mm-hmm. okay, so peaches, apples. As I've said on the show before, there's more sugar in a glass of apple juice than right. in a Coca-Cola. Right. Okay. So that's the truth. So what you could have put in there is some blueberries or some raspberries. That's sweet. But the nice thing about those fruits yeah. is they're not as high in glycemic index. What does that mean? It doesn't get broken down as much into the sugars that are absorbed and turned into fat. Or with a diabetic, mm-hmm. raise your sugar in your bloodstream. Mm-hmm. Why? Because they have a lot of fiber in them. Okay, so you look at that blueberry, it's got a hard outer core and there's that little circle around the end of it. Yeah. That fiber helps block the breakdown of the sugars into the things that are absorbed into your bloodstream. So when you talk about fruit, fruit is not necessarily good for you. Right. Peaches, man, they taste good. Apples. Yeah. And, you know, uh, bananas. um, What's that? Pineapple. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's uh, yeah. too much. And they're they just high in sugar. Right. So what you grapefruit is actually very good. Grapefruit is really good. Why? Yeah. Pulp. Well, it's got fiber in it. Yeah. So eat your oatmeal out there. Now let me ask you: Is it instant? Is it Quaker Oats? Oh, no, you cook I, it up? I do the cookable. Yeah. I, Come on. I've got to cook it for three minutes and let it sit for a few more uh-huh. sitting on the stove. Do you put milk in it? I do. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's okay. That's good stuff. Well, also, um, I'm glad. All right. Now I'm we'll, glad. And we're still going to pick up this. I am not a breakfast eater. I'm going to tell you that right now, except on Sundays. Yeah. I have breakfast yeah. on Sundays, about uh, 10 o'clock. I think if I've eaten a breakfast on the weekend, it's out. Uh-huh. It's, a, it's a meal out. Okay, where? IHOP. IHOP? I like Denny's. They, they will make you a... Uh, uh, an omelet with spinach. Good. Now I at Denny's. At, no, at IHOP. At IHOP. At IHOP, and it's and it's loaded with cheese. You can ask him, and it's got um, 
mushrooms. Uh-huh. That's good. So to me, that's it's good. two vegetables inside egg. Yeah. That's a good thing. I think that's a very good breakfast. You been to Waffle House? No. I've been to Waffle House. Yeah. No. I was pleasantly surprised. Yes, I would have to be pleasantly and surprised. I, and you know what? I thought I was going to only be able to eat waffles. Yes. I had a really good meal at Waffle House. Oh, uh, good for you. Yeah. Wasn't good for me, but. Did you feel safe? What do you mean? I'm just saying. I, is I Waffle just House gotta... not safe? No, the reputation is. Oh, uh, listen. I, if you're listening out there and you own a Waffle House, yeah. that is Dave's opinion. Dave's opinion. But I will yeah. tell you one thing. You get the one on Capitol Boulevard? Oh, okay. Never mind. You say the word Capitol it's Boulevard. Absol- no, no, no. It's absolutely the safest place. Really? In, oh, yeah. You know why? Because the police station's the police, next door? No, the police cars are always there. <laughs> they literally, you know, that's well, the where police, the- Police right. cars are always at my office. So we're off the, we're off the beaten path. No, we'll talk not. about breakfast. Uh, heart problems in COVID. There have been some studies now, yeah. long term. It is very, very clear that long COVID affects the heart. And- there could be an announcement sometime in the next couple of months of an important retirement. Dr. Fauci has publicly said he's thinking of retiring. Uh-oh. Now, it's funny because he thinks of things as an independent thought six, eight, ten months after I do. Yeah. I was thinking about him retiring a year ago. You know, I am starting to feel sorry for him. I am. Yeah. In the sense that here's a man whose career was built on HIV and the, you know, discoveries of the cures and the development of, you know, acceptance of the diagnosis, no shame. You know, he he was a brilliant infectious disease man. And Uh one of the reasons why they kept him on at the National Institutes of Health Infectious Disease Bureau, because he was so great. And I think that something was almost a tragic flaw in that once you get on TV mm-hmm. and once you're there 24-7, yes. once you've had a picture of yourself on Vanity Fair mm. with sunglasses by the yeah. pool, drinking yeah. a mimosa, it was intoxicating. Mm-hmm. And so he just couldn't shut up. And he couldn't stop bloviating and talking. and Sort of like what we do on this show. And <laughs> it got him in trouble. It really did. And I think the other thing that got him in trouble was the political stuff, you know, trying to not let anybody talk about the possibility of the Wuhan Viral Institute being. And that was early on. Yeah. I mean, threatening these uh, researchers who were raising the question. And, you know, uh, if I ever had on the show, I'd say, can you say one word for me? Just one word. <laughs> Taiwan. And he would go, I can't say it. I just can't say it. Why? Because he's so into communist China. I mean, the whole point that people don't realize is that he's got real deep research ties with all these research institutes in China. And I think one of the reasons is because, you know, you can study any infectious disease there. Yeah. And, you know, here in the United States... You got to go through all these hoops and stuff. Yeah, you got, and, you know, you got we, those safety procedures and everything yeah. and OSHA, you know. Okay, so 23 million people in Taiwan, right? Okay. Guess how many people died over those last two years of COVID? I have no idea. 896. Okay, just think of that. If that had been the United States, 23 million is approximately one-tenth, maybe a little more the population of the United States. 
So multiply 689 by 10. That is about 10,000 deaths. That's Taiwan. Taiwan. Did I say China? You might have. I I might have. I'm talking about the island that's off the coast of China. What happened in 1949 when the commies took over is that the nationalist government or Chiang Kai-shek took over Taiwan. Right. Anyway, the point I'm trying to make is that if we had been able to do what Taiwan did, Uh we would have had 10,000 deaths. And what do we have? A million. So what I would like to know is why that name, Taiwan, is never mentioned. And you talk to any scientist, they don't mention it. It's because the scientific ties with communist China are so strong. And, uh, and, and and listen, if you mention the word Taiwan, like the WHO. Yes. You remember that uh, that uh, really big shot of the WHO and somebody at a press conference says, you know, Taiwan's doing it right. And the guy just didn't say anything. Next question. Yeah. And that's, you look it up. That's true. That happened. And I think that all these guys are afraid of being canceled um, by China if they use the word Taiwan. Hmm. And I think that it's a shame because, I mean, there's so much I could learn from how Taiwan did. I mean, I don't know they did it. They didn't mm-hmm. shut the schools. Mm-hmm. They didn't shut the restaurants. What they did was protect the vulnerable, okay? Mm-hmm. Those who were high risk. And those who got it were tested immediately, and they were put into uh, a, I hate to use the word quarantine, a, a protective environment. Right. And you know, they got Omicron. They got hit by Omicron, but not bad. Right. And so, uh, Dr. Fauci, if you're listening out there, call us. And I just want you to say one word, and that's Taiwan. 919-860-9783. Dr. Fauci, call. In call. fact, anybody else call. You know, yeah. you can call anytime between 9 and 9 o'clock, but they say now is the best time. 919-860-9783. 12 silent symptoms of heart attack. Jaw ache. Really? Yeah. I, Jaw I, ache. Um, you, know, this, you know, we've had Macon um, on the show a couple yeah, of times. Yeah, Macon Singletary, yes. And I forgot to ask him. I had a dentist call me once. Yeah. And he was going to drill a tooth. Yeah. And the, he said, I think you had to see this guy. And I said, Why? Well, he came in with jaw pain and aching in his jaw and was convinced he had a rotten tooth. Wow. But he's sitting here in my dental chair. Oh, no. Petrified, of course, but, you know, and he's sweating. Oh, no. And he's complaining of jaw discomfort. I took an x-ray, looked at his tooth. It's fine. And believe it or not, that was his only symptom of a heart attack. Wow. You know, if you look in the textbook, the classic symptoms are chest discomfort, pressure tightness like an elephant yeah rating to the shoulder but also to the jaw and that's the thing to remember we'll talk about more we'll talk about that also is it the quality or quantity of sleep that's most important and um china has locked down 50 million people can you believe it another lockdown another lockdown all right 919-860-9783 919-860-9783 is our number. You got a question that you'd like to ask the doctor? Dial that number on Heart Health Radio, FM 98.5, AM 680, W. This is Heart Health Radio on the Heart Health Radio Network. So 
There's an article by your fellow yeah. with I wish Johns I Hopkins. Him. Yeah, he's at the School of, uh, it was used to call the School of Hygiene and Public Health, and I think this is the School of Public Health. Yeah. They met for Bloomberg. You know that guy that made all that money was mayor of New York? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I guess he went to Johns Hopkins. But anyway, he's a great guy. I'm really surprised I let him stay. Dr. Macquarie. Yeah. And right. the Marty Macquarie. And he's just gone against the grain. And, you know, I'm glad that nobody at Hopkins tried to, um, you know, nail him to the wall because of his beliefs. But right. he, he, he's got several points. It's a really good article. Um, and the concept is we should shame the scientific community who, uh, those of whom got on this bandwagon of certain ideas about COVID mm-hmm. that weren't open to discussion. Mm-hmm. So, for example, natural immunity. Yes. And it, it was a sine qua non that you had to have a vaccine, that even if you had COVID. You had to have a vaccine. Right. And, you know, Rand Paul, and I don't know if you watch him on YouTube, they put him on there a lot about, you know, interrogating Dr. Fauci. And I think he's got a point. If you look at the studies, people with natural immunity do just as well in Mm -hmm. terms of uh, uh, the second time around if they get it. Yeah. They're as as, uh, less likely. And they're as less likely to be in the hospital and as less likely to die from a second infection. Right. And yet, there are all these vaccine mandates. You can't go into a restaurant in New York. Did they relax those yet? I don't even know. I don't know. But you, could, you had to show your vaccine card. Right. And why not be able to show that you have, we had COVID previously? So we got into this mess of just accepting what people like Fauci said, and there was no debate. And, and you notice that this is supposed to be a country of, you know, open debate. And just like all the people getting canceled for their political views, you get canceled in the medical field for saying that natural immunity was a good thing. Right. And then the other thing, I think, was downplaying the, the role of therapeutics as opposed to vaccination. And so we had these great new medicines, Molnupiravir and Paxlovid, which are pills we right. can take. right. And there was the monoclonal antibodies, which worked very well for Alpha and Delta. And yet, Florida was the the primo area where they set up all of these clinics. Yes. If you got COVID, go to the clinic, get yourself your monoclonal antibodies, and your risk of death and your risk of uh, being in the hospital was markedly reduced. Right. And yet, what did the Biden administration push? Vaccination Shots. only. Shots. And so, you know, I think that the next time, and I hope and pray no, that no. there's not a next time, right. that we allow a more open debate from the sci- within the scientific community, within the public, about what's the best way to go. Is it wrong for me to say, you know, there were some things that the established community of medical experts suggested and almost every single one of them had a price tag to it yeah the vaccines were sold to the government we didn't pay for them but we paid for them and we'll continue to pay for them but also the things like remdesivir or um 
hydrochlorothiazide. Yeah, hydroxychloroquine. Hydroxychloroquine, right. whatever and, it was. And fluoxamine, and which it was, was something, antidepressant. It was something that had been given out for years and years, right. if, but nobody if, was going to get rich off if it. If there was no patent, right. it wasn't push. Okay. okay. All right. The other thing is, the other thing is, Dr. Fauci was in charge of approving or not approving a lot of grant applications. Rightio. At the same time when he's basically running the messaging yeah, and, and so from our government. It's my way or the highway. Right. I mean, I wouldn't want to, if somebody was going to approve my study yeah. or not approve my study. Well, and that's why I got out of academics. I mean, here I was at Duke and I mm-hmm. published. Um, and I look back on it, it's pretty phenomenal. I published a first author paper in Nature. Nobody mm-hmm. at Duke in the Department of Cardiology had ever done that before. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the problem was partly my personality, um, ah. you know, being loquacious and willing to stick my neck out. And it, it was just a mess. I mean, if you didn't tow the party line or kowtow to the powers that be, Right. Within the academic community, you're never going to be successful. Right. And I, you know, quite frankly, like taking care of patients better. Right. And so um, politics and medicine, I mean, it's just amazing. That's when, you know, um, the presidential debates were going on. Yeah. And, you know, I'm talking about the the surgeon from Hopkins um, who ran for president. Um, why am I blanking on his name? Um, you're talking about the surgeon. Yeah. The, African-American yeah, fella. Yeah. Anyway, I'm blanking. It's going to occur to us during the commercial yeah, break. You, or this during is the how news. old we are. Ben Carson. Ben Carson. How can I not remember? I can see his face. Right, 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 right. So anyway, so Ben Carson was being criticized and said, you've never been in politics. You've just been a surgeon. Right. Why are you running for president? And he said, you obviously don't know what academic medicine is like. The politics there are a swamp. Yeah. You know, and that's the case. And the politics in terms of all this COVID business, everybody was afraid who was in infectious diseases and academic medicine to question Fauci because he was the grand poobah. Right. You know? Okay. I don't think you're too loquacious. I think you're just loquacious enough. No. I, I talked to the, the refer, referring word was bloviate. I love that word because that describes me so well. And, and I mean, I, listen, there's a lot of things I don't know. Yeah. But I, I still talk about them. Well, good <laughs> and for I you. can still talk about That's them. a good thing because we got an hour and a half left in the oh, show. Oh, I don't believe it. But that. we're going to talk about things that you do know about. Yeah. Um, and we're running out of time before the break. But here is the question Is it the quality or the quantity of your sleep which is more important? You say what? Oh, it's definitely the quality of your sleep. Um, Sleep apnea, I see so much of it. Yeah. And people will tell me, I'm in bed for 12 hours, Dr. Weefald. I sleep. And yeah. the answer is you don't get what you need. And the key thing to sleep, and you can get this in less than seven hours, if you have a certain way of sleeping, if you are genetically different, but it's three um, cycles of deep sleep. 20 minutes each and we'll talk more about it after the break because i think it's really important my grandpa always said i only have a couple hours i better sleep fast i want to find out whether that's actually true true. it is true get into that stage four sleep as quick as you can this is heart health radio 
Welcome to Heart Health with board-certified cardiologist and internal medicine specialist, Dr. Franklin Weefald. Call us with your health questions at 919-860-9783. And this is Heart Health Radio on the Heart Health Radio Network. Rose Hoban joins us now from NorthCarolinaHealthNews.org. Hi, Rose. How are you? I'm well. How are you? Doing good. Doing I'm, good. I'm reading this really good story right now. Really oh, great he's, story. He's on your yeah, website. It's NorthCarolinaHealthNews.org by Rose Hoban. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give a little background to this. Lawmakers here on varnish support for Medicaid expansion. Yeah. Now, uh-huh. I wasn't for it before, but I am now. Mm. Okay? And, why and, is that? Um, why, why because of the experience I've had in, in patients who could be helped by uh-huh. it. Tell me, though, because I am not very good at medical economics okay tell me how it's going to save money while it also saves lives because i've heard that the experience is now that it can actually save money by doing this so the state will have to it's 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 you know it's investing right the state will have to put money up front but there's all these things that the state pays for out of state dollars that will then kind of roll underneath Medicaid expansion. Right. Here's one. Um, there's a lot of people with mental health issues right. who right now get services using state dollars, and there's not enough state dollars to help those people, you know, just to help all the people who need it, right? Right. Now you, you expand Medicaid. The feds will pay 9 or, or 90 out of every dollar. Are you kidding? A lot of these people, 90% the oh, wow. will pay, okay. right? And so all these people will now be able to get services and will pay, you know, 10 cents on the dollar for the services that these people get. Yeah. And all of a sudden it frees up state dollars to do um, things like, well, let's, let's, build more mental health facilities or right. let's build more mental health crisis facilities. That's one. In other states, this was really brilliant. In other states, one of the things that they've done is they've made prison inmates eligible for Medicaid. Hmm. And so, right, because everybody who's 138% of the federal poverty level, which is about, I want to say it's like, $14,000 for one person earnings down to zero dollars. Uh-huh. Those people become eligible for Medicaid. Now you have all these people in prison who don't make any money. You roll them onto Medicaid now, and right now as a state, we're paying all this money for them. But if you put them under Medicaid expansion, I think they've done this in Ohio, all of a sudden the feds are paying 90 cents out of every dollar the state's paying ten cents out of every dollar. So not only are you saving state, saving the state money on prison on inmate health, but also you're able to get them more services, right? Because you can make those dollars go farther. Yeah. So and and I always tell people they're like, well, why do you write about prison health? Why should we care? And I always say we care. We should care because ninety five percent of those people get returned to the community. 
And if they come out of prison and they're unhealthy, then they are essentially a kind of a drain on the community. So here, maybe you'll get people who have, maybe they've had drug treatment while they've been in jail. Maybe they've had some mental health treatment while they've been in jail. Maybe they've had some of their chronic diseases dealt with while they're in jail. Mm -hmm. They get out and they're more work ready. They're able to contribute to the, the economy when they get out of jail, right? So there's, there's a whole bunch of little ways that in the long run, um, uh, Medicaid expansion will help the state. And it's funny because I didn't even get to this uh, and, and because this, this story is from last week. On Tuesday of this week, former Ohio Governor John Kasich yeah. spoke to this same committee, and I have yet to write it up, but Kasich spoke, and he talked about all the ways that Ohio saved money in, in expanding Medicaid. And they were one of the first, you know, quote-unquote, red states to do it. Yeah. And he just, like, he just sat there and, like, ticked off on his fingers all the ways that his state had saved money. And that's uh, one of the reasons why I listened to him and one of the reasons why I got intrigued about it. But for me, you know what it was? I remember I was how upset I was when they went to the managed care Medicaid, you know, recently. Uh-huh. Yeah. It uh-huh. took about three months to get it straightened out. Yeah. And let uh-huh. me tell you, there were very simple things they could have done differently to make the transition work. Okay. But it's working now. Hmm. And I'm telling you. Actually, let me tell you something. Three months to make the transition work is like. Okay. Well, uh, you know what? It was. I was a doctor. You know how doctors are when we don't get paid. You know, wah, wah, wah. (laughs) Wah, wah, wah. Yeah, but it's working now. Um, There's a little more paperwork to do. Yeah. But at least it's consistent. And at least I can get it done. And you want to know what? They're reimbursing me very well and my oh, patients cool. are getting good care and we don't have to worry about uh whether it's going to be reimbursed and i think that um if we and the other thing rose is i still see so many people who don't have insurance who are on the borderline yeah. uh-huh. you know of qualifying uh-huh. Uh-huh. and i'd like to say you know i'm i used to be able to treat so many people for free mm-hmm. but the costs of you know, being a doctor now are so high, so much higher. Uh-huh. I mean, the overhead uh-huh. is approaching, you know, ungodly numbers for all, you know, people. That's why there are so many few people in private practice anymore. Yeah. Because, uh-huh. you know, you have to be in a hospital system where the hospital uh, income, you know, for inpatients uh-huh. and stuff subsidizes the doctor's salaries. Believe it or not, Rose, that's how it works. Well, and, and all the overhead. Like, yeah. like just covering the overhead is really, it's, it's insane. I, I have nine employees full time for me, hmm. just for me. People just do bit, just how many of those people just do insurance billing? Uh, three, no, two. And then one does it half time. Right? Yeah. That's okay. not crazy. It's nuts. <laughs> it's nuts. Yeah, it's totally nuts. Nuts. It's so. totally nuts. Well, listen, Rose. your article was awesome. I'm hoping this gets through. You're hearing a conservative Republican oh my. going for Medicaid expansion. You heard it here first. How about that? There well, you go. this is scary. Rose Hoban, North Carolina <laughs> Health News. <laughs> Thank you, Rose. Have a great day. Good to talk to you guys. All right, Love take you. care. You take care. Bye bye.
She's also got a daily update on what's going on with COVID. I assume that it's not going to be as much a daily update, but the I latest word is that the governor uh, did not let loose of the emergency powers. Oh, you're and kidding. an explanation will be forthcoming at NorthCarolinaHealthNews.org. Oh, no. All right. So quality or quantity of sleep. Okay, we were talking about this. Okay, yeah. so the first stage of sleep is drowsy, right? Yeah. You're just yeah, sort yeah, of, yeah. you know, just sort of there and, and that warm feeling. Yes. You know, you're yes. in your bed. Well, the second one is, believe it or not, REM, R-E-M, sleep, which right. is rapid eye movement. Right. Now, I'm telling you, this is the biggest fallacy that I see everywhere. Mm-hmm. That, you know, people in the Washington Post reporters, New York Times, that REM sleep is the sleep that recharges you. It's exactly the opposite. Huh. When you're in REM, you're dreaming. Okay. Your brain is alive. It's alive. Yeah. And that's what it's doing. It's getting your memories all, you know, sorted out. Right. Um, you're dreaming about this. I had a dream my dog would went off and, you know, uh, to live with somebody else. And then I woke up. I had a wow. bad day. I had a bad day. Really? But that's REM sleep. Now, one of the ways you can tell that somebody has sleep apnea is they say, I dream all the time. Yeah. <laughs> you're not resting when you're dreaming. Now... What you have to do is get into this stage three, some people call it stage four sleep, where you are shut down. Yeah. Your muscles don't move. Your brain shuts down. The only thing that works is your reptilian midbrain. Okay, it really does look like a reptile brain. Do they really call it the reptilian Reptilian brain? Midbrain, because it's very similar to a brain in a reptile. Okay. And what is it doing? It's keeping you breathing. Yeah. Okay. So if your jaw muscles are uh, paralyzed Mm -hmm. and the rest of your body's paralyzed, you have to breathe through your nose. Mm -hmm. It has to get through the throat into the trachea, or as they say in England, the trachea, and then fill up your lungs with with oxygen and then breathe out. That's the quality sleep. And why is that? Because that's when the brain recycles and rearranges and puts back in the drawers all of the stuff you need to function during the day. Yeah. It's regenerative sleep. Now, there are some people who can go from drowsy to power through REM and go into deep sleep. You need three cycles a night. So just Mm -hmm. imagine you're going, you're a whale, okay? So REMing, you're up close to the surface, you're playing around, and then boom, you dive down deep. Deep yes. into the ocean where everything's collapsing and you can't move. And then you dive back up. Okay. And you rem a little bit, then you dive back down. And it's those three cycles, okay, that produce quality of sleep. If you have sleep apnea, you can't get into that deep sleep. Why? Yeah. Because when you can't breathe and, and your, your, uh, your air gets trapped and can't get through your throat, your midbrain even as primitive as it is, is going to say, uh-uh, we're about to suffocate. Right. Wake up. Yes. And some people will be aware that they're waking up. They'll say, yeah, I wake up and gasp, and then I fall back to sleep. Right. But most of the time, you're not even aware you're doing it. Mm-hmm. So the doctor hears that you're in bed for 12 hours. The question is, do you wake up refreshed? Okay. 
If you don't wake up refreshed, <laughs> you're not getting quality sleep. What are you laughing about? I haven't woken up refreshed in 15 years. I woke up refreshed <laughs> last Sunday. Define refreshed. I'm just I'm, kidding. I wake up, I'm tired. I, you shouldn't. You should wake up and go, <laughs> the hills I'm, are alive. No, I'm still old. I'm still old. No. Okay. You're wearing your CPAP. Yeah. All right. I'm gonna get yes, you. Yes, I am. I'm gonna get you an Inspire. Okay. You. Know, we've talked about this. What is that? It's a little pacemaker-like device. Yeah. That's inserted underneath the skin near the top of your yeah. lung. Yeah. 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 And it has four electrodes. Five. I can't remember the number of electrodes. They're tiny little wires that go up to the muscles that control the that can contract. Yeah. And cause there to be an obstruction of air. Yeah. And so the ear, nose, and throat doctor puts this in while you're sleeping. And the first thing they do is they put a camera and watch which muscles don't move right while yeah. you're sleeping. Yeah. And then they put the electrodes into those muscles. And after they heal up after six weeks, they turn the device on. Yes. The device says, uh-oh, he's about to take a deep breath. And then it, right when it has to. It, right. Gives a stimulation to those muscles in your throat, opens them up, yeah, and you don't have sleep apnea anymore, and you don't have to wear a mask anymore. And I was skeptical. I mean, I'm an early, you know, supporter of things, uh, new medical things, but I was really skeptical of this. Mm-hmm. You know why? Because a stupid TV commercial. Have you seen it? No. Where the woman says she holds up this thing and say, "I used to use a mask." Right. Now I have sleep apnea. I just push a button and I don't have sleep apnea. Oh, yeah. But they don't tell you that the button just turns on this very complex pacemaker right. under the, your skin. It has to be inserted so, in you. Yeah. And, the, and so yeah. when and the people come up to me and they would say, I want the button, Dr. Weefong. I say, what? <laughs> you know, the button you push and then you don't have sleep apnea anymore. And I'm actually now, based on. The experiences I have had with my patient, mm-hmm. I'm a big believer in this. Okay. A huge believer. All right. If you have sleep apnea out there and you hate your mask, which I, I don't know hardly anybody. I know hardly anybody who loves right. their mask. Right. Talk to your doctor about getting a referral. It's a referral. They don't just, you know, say, oh, you want one? Here you go. They work you up. That's what we used to say. You know, they yeah. do a workup. They yeah. check this, check that, check this. To make sure it's the right thing for you. I haven't had anybody turned down yet um, because, you know, they all fit the picture. And, I'm, you know, Donna Countryman, she calls in every now and then. Yes. She had a CPAP for 20 years. Yeah. And she wore it religiously. And all the tests that you have to prove that it's working were positive. It worked. Yeah. And she was tired all the time. And she didn't feel like she had the life she wanted. So we got her the Inspire. It took about two months of making sure everything was right. She came back to see me about six weeks after it was turned on. Okay. A different woman. Really? Alert, awake. I mean, she's a great lady beforehand. But this was 30 years younger. Really? And she'd lost 30 pounds. I could... Yeah. I you could improve why? my life. Let me tell you. You know a lot of crummy eating. You know what that's about? What? Being too tired. Oh, yeah. Think yeah. about it. Yep. Okay. Um, what What do I do when I'm tired? I go grab a squirt. You, you, <laughs> you know, the, this, I've got addicted to this soda called squirt. Squirt. 
Look it up. It's a grapefruit-based <laughs> soda. There's no caffeine. Okay. There's a ton of sugar. Oh, sure. But it wake you up. And so I think a lot of obesity um, is related to grabbing a Snickers. Oh, it is. Yeah. yeah you know. Yeah. Or, you know what wakes me up is a potato chip. Really? Well, because it's got fat. Believe it or not, fat will get you energetic pretty quick. Yeah. So potato chips are my Cheez-Its. That stuff, the comfort food, right. also gives you energy. So now she's alert. She's mm-hmm. awake. She's yeah. able to exercise more, and she's not grabbing for the chips. Okay. Okay? So if you're out there and you have sleep apnea, please check with your doctor. Make sure you qualify. Get to the right person. And there are several Inspire doctors uh, in uh, Raleigh. Right. Okay. I'm, in, I'm inspirational. Yes, But I'm you not are. an Inspire doctor. Yeah. Okay. I think it's a wonderful advance in sleep apnea. Very good. We're going to talk about the 12 silent symptoms of a heart attack. And some of them I just did not even know. Yeah. Does your back hurt? Does your back hurt? Yeah. Or your arms or your chest? Yeah. We'll talk about that coming up next. All right. Heart Health Radio, FM 98.5, AM 680, WPTF. The following is a paid program, and the views expressed are those of the hosts and guests and do not reflect the opinions of WPTF or Curtis Media Group. Information provided is of a general nature. Listeners seeking specific advice should contact a licensed professional in the appropriate area. Welcome to Heart Health Radio with board-certified cardiologist and internal medicine specialist, Dr. Franklin Weefall. Heart Health Radio, Heart Health Radio, oh, 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 hearthealthradio.com, Heart Health Radio. Heart Health Radio is meant for information purposes only. Before taking any action, talk to your doctor. And the telephone number is 919-860-9783. Call right now. We'll get you on the radio. If you are listening to this on a Friday night, and by the way, you are, yeah. Uh, go ahead and call that number. Don't assume that we're on audio tape because we're not. Do you, do you know I always imagine? What's that? That there's some truckers on 95. Yeah. And they yeah. pick, you know, I used to do that. when I, I used to drive from Indiana all the way to Boston. Yeah. And we would just try to, you know, we'd be tuning in that AM trying sure. to find the talk radio. Sure. So if you're a trucker out there on the highway, or you're on 85, or you're yeah. on 40, or you're on 95, we love you. Yeah. Because the truckers and the railroad people, I mean, they are <laughs> delivering our medical supplies. They're mm-hmm. staying up and, and, and shooting down the highway and listening to talk radio. Yes. Did you do that driving at night? All the Listen time. I still radio? do it. Yeah. I still do it. In fact, I drive a lot in the... The overnight period, the the early morning, uh-huh. and I will hit the scan button on AM radio because you'll get several stations from big cities. Yeah, you know, you'll get you get like the Boston radio station at ten thirty. It's awesome, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's very fun remember, to do that. Yeah, I remember. Uh, I don't want anybody to scan the dial now. You remember Doctor Dina Dell? Yes, I do. Yeah, he was great. He's retired. Yep. Yeah, but he was a great doctor on doctor radio and i've never listened to x serious xm doctor radio have you no no i should try it and see what it's like we're better of course yes of course of course yeah humbly we say Uh, we're absolutely our number niner one niner eight six zero nine seven eight three you want to talk about mammograms yeah 
mammogram. Good for not not yeah. just breast cancer. Now, a mammogram can save your life for if you're a woman. If you're a man too, I've picked up several breast cancers in men. Oh, men yeah. can get breast cancer. All right. Yes. But if you get a mammogram and you have a mass and you go through the the hoops and you find out it's an early cancer. Yeah. It can, you know, you can have a, a lumpectomy and then pretty much you're okay. Okay. One of the other things that's just coming out is the idea of the calcifications in your arteries. When you have a calcified artery, it means that you have cholesterol buildup in the lining of the artery. And as your immune system tries to fight off this cholesterol buildup, it lays down inflammatory um, chemicals that calcify the okay. plaque. All right. So one of the things that they just now realized, and it comes from the CT scans that we've talked about for a calcium score right. on the coronary arteries. Well, believe it or not, if you've calcified your coronary arteries, there is a very good chance you've calcified the arteries in your breast tissue. So one of the things that, that is clear and noticeable to the radiologists who are reading mammograms, and it's an x-ray type of procedure, mm-hmm. is they can see the calcifications in the arteries of the breast. And now they realize that you have a 51% chance, uh, greater chance of having a heart attack if you're a woman who has a certain amount of calcium in the arteries in the breast. Right. And so now they're going to say, look, radiologists, this is really important. Because suppose you don't know that you have, you know, a uh, heart attack right. potential. And you're a woman and you get your, you know, your scheduled mammogram. Yes. If the radiologist says, hey, compared to the last one you had, you have more calcium in the breast tissue arteries. That can be a really good thing to know. Right. Because then you can go to your doctor and you say, okay, how can I reduce my risk? My cholesterol is high. I smoke. My diabetes is not under good control. I need my blood pressure better. I'm not exercising. Those are motivational things, having the knowledge that your arteries are calcified and that you're at high risk for heart attack. So I think that this is now something that every woman can ask is, you know, I got my mammogram results Mm -hmm. um, or even before you get your results when you're doing the procedure. And you could say, could you please ask the radiologist to make a comment on yeah. whether my arteries in my breast are calcified? Huh. And you can do that. I mean, they'll say, oh, yeah, they are. Or no, they're not. Or maybe just a little. There's no real score that they have now. Right. But if I were a woman, and I'm going to tell the women I love and even the women I don't love, you know, women I know and my patients. Women you just met? No. No. But I'm, okay. I'm right. a woman on TikTok. Okay. Yeah, they yeah. definitely no. they no. definitely need to have their <laughs> calcium scores. But anyway, um, am I going to get in trouble for that? No. no okay. No, okay. you're already in trouble okay. for that. Anyway, ask them uh, to give you an idea. Yeah. Uh, if you're cal- you have calcifications of your breast arteries. You yeah. got a, we got. Is she wanting to know? No, Bob in Raleigh. Well, Hi, Bob. Bob. Hey, Bob. If you had your mammogram. No. Uh, no, I'm a male. <laughs> okay, well, there you go. What's going on, Bob? Uh, I am a beer drinker. Okay. 
and I'm, uh, I have I have exceeded. Do you know who Keith Richards is? Yes, yes. Okay. Well, I've beaten him. Oh my! He you you mean beers for breakfast? I drink four. Oh my gosh! That's a okay. lot. Okay. All right. Yep. And what okay. do you want to know? Well, what I want to know is, uh, I like to drink beer. Yeah. I don't drink hard spirits, and uh, I just had my physical, and my liver numbers are okay. 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 So how many beers a day total? Uh, I'd say 10 to 20. Okay. That's a lot. Okay. Now, each each beer, uh, in terms of alcohol, unless you're drinking, you know, either low alcohol, light beer, or O'Doul's, it's approximately the same as a shot of whiskey. Okay? Correct. So you're drinking a lot, a, a whole, whole, whole lot. Do you get drunk or you just feel steady as she goes? I do not get drunk. Yeah. And you know why? Because you've been doing it for so long that you have uh, activated your liver to chew away the alcohol. And that may be another reason why you have to drink so many. Um, the you know Chinese men... Uh, have a gene, some of them do, I do, where they don't break down the alcohol. Uh, And that's what happens. The alcohol goes through your liver, and it's digested into a a non-intoxicating form. I don't have that much. If I drank eh, half of the beer, half of the beer that you drink 10 to 20, I would be on the ground drunk. Hmm. I can't drink beer. Now, I can sip whiskey. There's something about whiskey that I don't... I mean, I get a little relaxed and happy, but I don't get drunk from whiskey. Yeah. So, let me just... I guess, what's your question? Are you hurting yourself, or what do you want to know? Well, I guess my question is, I just I just had a physical, and my, yeah. my liver numbers came back okay. Yeah. Did you get an ultrasound of your liver? I've had that before. I'd and what did, say? what did they say? What did they say? Fatty liver. Okay, so you have fatty liver. Let me tell you, that's what I thought. Now, even though your numbers are good, and that's the SGOT or the AST, those are the Correct. enzymes that are that are produced in the liver that get into the bloodstream, and when they're really high, it means your liver's not functioning well and is irritated. So if you have a fatty liver, that means you're about two steps away from cirrhosis, okay? How old are you? I forgot to ask. 67. Okay. So if you have fatty liver now, and that, I can tell you, is from your alcohol intoxication. Right, sorry, you're not intoxicated. Your mm-hmm. alcohol intake. I apologize because uh, I want to get this straight. You need to cut back. And and I'm, I think you need to do it, and the way you know is that, geez, I got fatty liver now, and I'm only 67. You're young, okay? Old is 95 now. That's the new, the new old. Mm-hmm. You're the new young. What I would try to do is what I talked about earlier in terms of cutting back on cigarettes, is drop them down one by one. If you're drinking, 50, let's say, 15 a day, okay? What you want to do the next week is drink 14 a day. And, you know, really sort of um, pair them out. Mm-hmm. And if you can get down, uh, and again, the, the recommendation is no more than two a day. But if you can get down to five a day, I think that's pretty good, especially because it's your, it's your lifestyle. Okay, beer is part of your lifestyle. I have plenty of patients who are like that. Mm-hmm. 
And then well, that's that, that's correct. And and all my male relatives live yeah. forever into their nights. right. And I I think that there is a very good chance that you have a type of liver, a type of genetic predisposition, where alcohol doesn't make you drunk. It, I think, and again, don't don't tell. I mean, I'm not telling you I know this, mm-hmm. but I'm saying it's possible that the reason why you can drink 20 beers and not get plastered is that your liver just says, here comes the ethanol, it's gone. And it just deals with and Whereas with me, you give me half a beer, and I've got an alcohol level to beat the band because I don't have the enzymes to chew it up. Mm-hmm. So, But the fatty liver thing is uh, definitely a worry because it could develop into cirrhosis, and when you've got cirrhosis, I mean, your liver is hard and nodular, and it's not um, working as well. The liver is one of the big things that filters out poisons, okay? The other thing the liver does that's real important is it takes the medicines that we eat and transforms them into the active compounds that help and cure us. When you've had cirrhosis develop, then your liver's not functioning in that way either. So I am not going to give you a hard time. I am not going to say you're a bad guy. This is your lifestyle. This is how you've developed. You've been, you know, functional this way. But my recommendation, based on the fact that your ultrasound has shown a fatty liver, is to cut back. And I think that your target should be five, and my recommendation would be two. Um, but I know that's not your lifestyle, and it's something. Okay. I, it's, I don't think I'll get to. Yeah, let me ask you a question. Do you like the taste? Do you like the way it feels rolling down your throat? Do you like? Uh, heck, do you I, drink I, it? I like everything about beer. Yeah, it's like well, me and smoking. Yeah. Okay, I like the the piece of paper in my hand. I like taking a break with my friends. Yeah. I like the way it feels going into my lungs. It's it's a lifestyle issue. I you know, I smoke three puffs and throw it away. And it's terrible. I need to stop. I'm down to about eight or nine a day. Um, and that's good. I'm working there. But see, I understand and a lot of doctors will just talk to you, Bob, and they'll say, You gotta you gotta stop this. You know, you're yeah. killing yourself. That's not the way to go about it. Right. Under, I understand where you come from. Um, I understand that this is your life. I mean, it's it's what, you know, you do, and, and it helps to define you. But what I'm saying from a health point of view, if you've developed fatty liver, then you need to cut back. Um, and the reason you need to cut back is you want to prevent yourself from getting cirrhosis. Well, I beat Keith, Keith Richards. Yes, you Absolutely. beat Keith Richards. You know what? You know what I'd like to know. This would be a really, really fun experiment. What's that? I'm, Bob, I'm going to get a breathalyzer. Okay. Yeah. And I'm going to drink half a beer. Yeah. And you're going to do your pattern. I'll. You know what I bet? What's that? I bet I'll beat you on the breathalyzer. I'm, I'll be a lot higher than yours. And that's. Uh, I, I bet I, I would. Have one. I have a breathalyzer. And what do you? What do you? What do you get at the end of the day? I don't. I don't do it at that point in time. Uh huh. I bet you don't get drunk, do you? He didn't want to know. Oh. I don't. I don't get drunk. Yeah. He does. That's what I'm trying to say. Your liver is different, but one of the things your liver is doing is developing uh, deposits of fat. Right. And over time, that can turn into cirrhosis, and that's something you just don't want. Bob, thank you very much. Hey. 
and it's Miller time. You start. Yeah, I got a question for you, Bob. What do you drink? Thank yeah, you both. what beer do you drink? I drink Miller Light. I Miller told you it's Miller time. Carb. Miller okay, Light. Okay, so the Miller Light is better. It has less alcohol in it. A light sure. beer does have less alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> have you ever drank O'Doul's? Uh, no. Okay. Uh, that's no alcohol. Yeah, my dad, my dad grew up with, and it was, and there was something called near beer. Yeah. Okay, that was non-alcoholic beer, and they yeah. used to call it near beer. And he used to tell me, whoever coined the term near beer yeah. is a poor judge of distance. <laughs> <laughs> no, Bob, no, take no. care of yourself. Thank you. God All bless right. you. Thank you. I, I, I knew he was not drinking, like, a tasty beer. To me, really? Miller is, you know. My mom used to drink Miller High Life. Yes. Clear bottles. Yes, yes, yes. The only beer in clear. And it's coming back. Yeah. Miller High Life. All right. We're going we're gonna to talk more about this, I think, during the next couple of minutes. <laughs> this, yes. This, I mean, you know, it is Friday night. Okay, and oh, no making fun of alcoholism. No, okay? no, no, we're no. Not. It's not funny at all. But we're, we're dealing with Bob's situation. All right. Thank you, Bob. This is Heart Health Radio. Welcome to Heart Health Radio with board-certified cardiologist and internal medicine specialist, Dr. Franklin Weefold. Heart Health Radio, Heart Health Radio, oh, 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 hearthealthradio.com, Heart Health Radio. Heart Health Radio is meant for information purposes only. Before taking any action, talk to your doctor. And this is Heart Health Radio. we got just a couple of minutes to okay. talk about... Uh, um, the 12 silent symptoms of a heart attack. They in, A silent symptom or a silent heart attack I, I, is what? I would rather prefer saying uh, unaware symptoms. In other okay. words, they don't. And this is the problem, the classic teaching. You know, menstrual chest discomfort, written to the left arm, coming by shortness of breath and diaphoresis. Yeah. That's in the textbook. Yeah, I've I seen that five times. The rest <laughs> of the time I see jaw discomfort. I see, ah, I just don't feel well. Well, this know? is, number one is an overall feeling that, Something is wrong. Right. Imp- I get that every day. We used to see say the term impending doom. Really? Okay? And believe it or not, a week before your heart attack, you can start feeling fatigue because the clot's forming and it's, you know, um, dissolving and then forming again and dissolving yeah. over time. And then it hits you when it, it, when it clots off the artery completely. Feeling like you've been hugged tightly. Right. So the chest... Yeah. It's not pain. And this is what I can't stand. They go to the ER, are you having chest pain? And they go, no. And so then they don't think there's a heart problem. I walk in as the cardiologist. I said, are you having discomfort, tightness, heaviness, pressure? And they'll go, yeah. It feels like somebody's hugging me. Yeah. And so the, the thing, if you're a physician or a nurse or a healthcare professional, is when you're addressing somebody's heart system, Symptoms. Don't use the word pain. Right. Pain is when you cut yourself. It's when you break your arm. Heart attack. Yeah. Elephant on your chest. I, that's okay. Yeah. Hugging. Pressure. Tightness. It can also be a burning sensation. Okay. But it's it's not for most people the description of a pain. Okay. Fatigue. Oh yeah. Big time. 
if you've been tired more so than ever and you've got maybe shortness of breath or maybe you just weaken, you know, get get checked out. Yeah. Um, because fatigue, especially in women I've seen, and this is my personal experience, that fatigue uh, is a frequent sign of uh, heart problems in a mm. woman, especially a cholesterol blockage. Soreness in the back, arms, or chest. Right. So between the shoulder blades. Yeah. Down the arms. I had a very young gentleman. I had taken care of his her, his wife. Uh, I don't have permission to use her name, so I won't. That's fine. But um, she had had rapid heart beating, and then he was going to a chiropractor for his shoulder discomfort. Right. And he had a very positive uh, history of coronary disease. And she said, you're going to go see Dr. Weefall. And so yeah. the first thing I asked him was, describe it. Well, it's like a tightness that goes down my right arm. And I, I just diagnosed himself. He said, I, I must have lifted something wrong. Yeah. And so I said, let me ask you a question. If you try to walk real fast, he said, yeah, that's what my shoulder hurts. <laughs> and so what is that? That is the uh, increased amount of blood flow needed when you're walking fast. Right. And his symptom is the right shoulder pain. Boy, his stress test was abnormal. He's only 34 years old. He got bypass surgery. Oh, my. And guess what? Yeah. His shoulder discomfort went away. Sure it did. Yeah. Well, is it, the other one is kind of close to that pain during exercise. Yeah. 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 I mean, and that's the key thing. I mean, you know, try to distinguish heartburn from heart disease. Right. And, you know, you get a burning here after a hamburger. Okay. You get that after exercise. And that's one of the questions. Now, it's not the sine qua non, it's not, you know, the be all and end all. Right. But that's one of the things that you ask as a cardiologist do you get these discomforts, not pains, when you do some physical activity? We're going to talk beer coming up next. I got a caller. You know, Ricky's going to talk to us about it. He's got more beer questions. Okay. That's coming up Great. on Heart Health Radio, the Heart Health Radio Network. Now back to Heart Health. Have a question for Dr. Weefald? Call 919-860-9783. This is Heart Health Radio. We've got Ricky on the line from Durham. Hi, Ricky. How are you? I'm doing just fine. I hope you all are doing well. Yeah, we're doing all right. What's going on tonight? Well, I, uh, the last segment you did, I caught the the back end of a question or some comment. Yeah. On drinking beer, I, I'm not exactly sure uh, what the gentleman was asking. Yeah. But I, I've got a I've got a question, and yeah. and, and and let me preface it by saying. I've had three heart stents. Mm. I have blood pressure issues. Um, I've been diagnosed with AFib, and uh, to top all that off, my work schedule, I drive a truck. And okay. I am, uh, yeah, I am I'm not in a position where I can just keep up with a lot of this stuff, but I also drink beer. And mm. on my time off, I will have a couple of beers. How many is a couple? Uh, between shifts, when I have the time to do that, am I hurting myself? Uh, do I need to pursue some of these issues further? Well, uh, how many? You say you have a couple. Is it uh, really two or is it uh, six? I'll say uh, uh, two 24-ounce uh, of beers. 
Okay, all so so those are four. Okay, because one beer counts as twelve ounces. Okay, okay. A twelve ounce beer. So you're having four, and that's four a a day every day, or is it four like you know every third day? Uh, yeah, to be honest with you, uh, uh, pretty much every day. Okay, well we uh, talked. Yeah, we talked earlier. Um, you know, there's now a uh, series of studies that I. I just don't believe are true, where they say that any alcohol is bad for you. I don't believe that. Um, you know, uh, human beings have been drinking alcohol since the Garden of Eden, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, probably not um, that long. But alcohol has a positive effect uh, in, in that it relaxes people and it, it brings out, you know, some uh, good emotions in a lot of people. Too much alcohol is one of the worst things that you can do. Mm -hmm. Now, when you drink those two 24-ouncers, do you get drunk? Or do you feel tipsy? Or are you one of those people where you can pound it down and not feel it? Uh, No, sir. Uh, You just described what that is. Uh, I could probably sit with you and and drink all night. And uh, after two or three hours, yeah, you, you might notice me getting intoxicated but yeah yeah I kind of found it down and and it doesn't matter well you know my my feeling is what when my patients ask i think one or two beers and that's 24 ounces total mm-hmm. is probably okay as long as you know you're not driving obviously you're not operating heavy machinery um and i think that it's it can be very good because you know stress can hurt your heart yeah. And so you've got all these issues, um, and you know, I, I think that maybe you want to cut back a little bit, but I don't think, in terms of the bad things you could do to yourself, it's certainly, I think, if you smoked, if your diabetes was out of control, if you had, if you weren't taking your medications, that's that those things grouped together would be worse for you than having two beers a day. Uh, that just sounds very reasonable. Uh, that sounds like a very reasonable approach. Yeah. How, what kind of beer do you drink? I mean, you know, to be honest, people are going to be people. Uh, I mean, their releases, it's just one of my releases. Yeah. If you I, understand. I, I do understand. Maybe what you had to do is in, instead of getting those 24 ounces, get two 12 ounces and just nurse them. You know what, I, you know what I'm talking about when you <laughs> yeah. nurse oh, a beer. I can understand that. I mean, do you drink it out of the, do you drink it out of the can? All right. Here's the other thing to do is get a glass, okay, mm-hmm. and pour it in the glass and just sip it out of the glass. Because I think there's something about a can where you really don't notice that you're drinking anything because you can't see it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's like this hole. <laughs> you can't see what's inside yeah, there. Yeah, you can't so see So it's not like you're really drinking anything. Sure. You know what I mean? That that's just one way to do it. Ricky, you want to endorse a beer over another? Yeah, tell me what beer you drink. Yeah, I, I called the I called the back end of that, and you were talking about Miller High Life. Yeah, yeah, and and is it? Yeah, yeah, you're gonna just uh, Paps Blue Ribbon. Hey, you know what? Oh. PBR, and you know it's coming back. Oh. The yes, kids now are drinking it Paps has, Blue it Ribbon. Has been my beer of choice yeah. for probably the last. 15, 20 years. And you know, it did win a blue ribbon in 19 something or other. It yes, was at the St. Louis uh, World's Fair. It won the the blue ribbon for the best beer. 
Do you remember the jingle? I I used to remember the jingle for Paps Blue I Ribbon. I can't remember it. Oh. How about Schlitz? Did you ever drink? That well, I, I'm not going to give away age, but I can't remember the jingle. Yeah, I remember what what was around when my my parents were when I was a baby, but it was uh, Schlitz. Yes. that was really big. Whatever happened to oh, Schlitz? Yeah. I never see it again. No, uh, you might be able to buy it in yeah. Utica. You remember? Uh, let's see what yeah. else. National beer. It was brewed in Baltimore. They had a really good um, jingle. You know, yeah. brewed by the Chesapeake Bay, whatever. And then yeah. Miller uh, High Life. And then uh, Budweiser was always been around. But um, that's great. Paps Blue Ribbon. Paps Blue Ribbon. Remember, only yeah. two 12 ounces and try putting two it in a glass. Ounces. Just try to kind of control it. Yeah, just let cut me, back. Let me ask you this. Cut back. Uh, and, one more question. Yeah, sure. All right. Uh, say I've got a long weekend. Uh-oh. And I just want to indulge. Mm. Am I going to really hurt myself, or am I just going to have a hangover? Well, indulging to the point where you have a hangover means that you were definitely intoxicated. Intoxication yes, is just not good. Uh, it's no, okay. yeah, that's the so poison. Pushing it past yeah. the limit. Yeah. What? What do you do when you drink? What are What are your activities while drinking? TV. Uh, yeah, 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 uh, maybe watch TV. Uh-huh. Uh, clean my truck, uh, you know, uh, uh, wash the car or uh-huh. something. Kind of be active while I'm doing it. Yeah. When I get done, I'm done. And, right. and I'm, you know, uh, uh, I'm sitting back on the couch All right. Here, with the here's, wife and the kids and going to bed. I just made something up. What's that? Get a glass. Yeah. And then put uh, lines on it, four lines on it. Okay. Mm. Fill up the glass. Yeah. And then time yourself. Okay, the first 15 minutes, I can go to the first line. <laughs> and you got to wait. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. But, you know, you're do the best like, you can. You're sounding like my cardiologist. Uh-oh. Well, he well. sounds like a smart guy. You're from Durham. <laughs> you must be at, for go to Duke, huh? Uh, Actually, yes, I do. Yeah. Good for you. Ricky, take care of yourself. God bless you. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Uh, look, I listen to your show all the time. Well, great. Uh, I'm just not a very frequent caller or anything, but, man, y- y'all give out a lot of good information. Well, I appreciate, I Thank appreciate you. it. Call us anytime. Thank you, Ricky. Of course, you know what I do? What? When I, uh, when I drink, the activity I indulge in? Talk radio. Really? Mostly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> I, I want to. Do you actually? You know that hiccup is always associated with being drunk. Do you know anybody who hiccups no. when they're drunk? I, well, Where did that come from? Me once, once, I literally could not get rid of the hiccups, and I had to come back into the house. And I was. This is when I was nineteen or yeah. twenty or so, and I I couldn't come into the house because I was hiccuping, and it was the in the head kind oh, of hiccup. Yeah. It was a very loud sort of. Of course, I thought it was louder than it was. Yeah. But the point is, yeah. Sometimes Foster oh. Brooks used to hiccup when he would pretend to be drunk. Oh, okay. Foster Brooks. Yeah. All right. So statins lower cholesterol, but might not cut down my heart attack risk. That's you know, why I'm I taking it. I don't know. Let me let me tell you why that article bothers me. Okay. Because I don't think that the headline really pertains to um, what is really going on. Mm-hmm. Okay, so 
not everybody who has high cholesterol is going to have a heart attack. Um, the people can be running their whole lives with an LDL in the 150s, yeah. and yet they don't have the genetic markers and background to develop cholesterol build up in the arteries. Uh, they're just genetically pure, but they have a high cholesterol. Yeah. So putting them on a statin will not help them in terms of their heart. Okay. They're not going to have a heart attack anyway. Okay? okay. So you lower their cholesterol. They weren't ever going to have a heart attack. So why give them the medicine? Okay, here's the problem. Yeah. We don't know enough yet to know who is that genetically advantaged person right. who has a high cholesterol but is not going to get a heart attack. Now, there are things we can do to try to figure it out. This thing I call the calcium score, where you check a CT scan yeah. and you determine if they have calcium in the coronary arteries. That means they are at higher risk. Mm-hmm. You can do an ultrasound of the arteries to the brain that are in the neck called the carotid arteries. If you have carotid artery buildup of cholesterol, then you need to have a statin because you're at risk of a stroke and a heart attack. Soon, I think, we will be able to swab our cheek yeah. and get a genetic background check. And there's probably a thousand genes sure. that are associated with the development of cholesterol buildup in your arteries. And there'll be some pattern that you know we can recognize. And then they'll say, yes, you need a statin. Maybe you need a statin or no, you don't need a statin. Mm-hmm. And so this is the problem. And you know what? It's probably two-thirds of the people who are on statins don't really need them. And the problem is finding out who needs them and who doesn't. Now, you yeah. Yeah, me. I'll, need I'll, one. Uh, I mean, it's clear. You're diabetic, hypertensive, had bypass surgery. You need a statin yeah. like you need air. Yeah, yeah. Like you need a Bud Light. Okay. <laughs> I do not. Ricky, I've got it on my mind, Ricky. Yeah, and Bud Light. And Bob, right? That yeah, Ricky guy. and Bob. Bob and Ricky. We're gonna, that's a good name for a bar. Bob yep. and Ricky's. But anyway, so that's the problem. Yeah. Is that we don't know who really needs them of that uh, large population. If you've had a heart attack, if you have chest discomfort, if you're a diabetic, if yes. you've got you know multiple risk factors... That's the proof. We can drop your heart attack risk tremendously. Right. I take them. I take them because I got I had cholesterol buildup in the artery of my brain. I had cholesterol buildup in the artery of my um, my widowmaker, and I got my cholesterol so far down that those blockages went away. Right. Mostly ninety percent gone. So that's what I don't like about that article headline. The headline really should have been statins. Who needs them? Who doesn't? Yeah, right? we don't know. And we don't have all the information that we need yet. Okay. But maybe, just maybe, working with your physician, getting a few tests, getting a few things, you can make an informed decision about risk versus benefit. And that's where we are now. I had a family member who actually had two bypass surgeries. Okay, that'll happen. And that'll happen. I, I'm, I don't want to be that guy. Well, then here's what you do. What's that? A1C of 7 or less. Sure. LDL less than 30. Right. Blood pressure 120 over 80. Oh, man. No smoking. Yeah. Um, exercising, walking 30 minutes, five times a week. Uh-huh. Um, and loving your family. Yeah, well, I got that one. And yeah. have a dog. Yeah, I got a yeah. dog. 
and listen to Heart Health Radio. Yeah, good. All right, excellent. Terrific. I listen to at least half the show, so that's a good thing. Absolutely. We're going to give, uh, I'm going to give a book report on my eye surgery, which yes. happened uh, not last Monday, not this Monday, but the previous Monday. We'll talk about that coming up next. Our telephone number, 919-860-9783, Heart Health Radio. This is Heart Health Radio. All right, so uh, we're to the point of the program where Dave's going to step into the spotlight. I had some loss of vision caused, we thought, by a blood vessel bursting and it pulling my uh, retina away from the wherever the retina is supposed to be. Right, back of the eye. Back of the eye. I uh, had the surgery. I want to shout out the people at Rex. You know, ordinarily I have most of my surgeries done at uh, Wake. Yeah, but Big it's a Wake. good hospital. Rex is fine. They yep. they did, and the doctor works there. Go to this place. I gave gave everybody a good review when they called me two days later. I still can't see. If you give a bad review, they call you about an right. hour after you get home. <laughs> <laughs> so. So here's where we are. We found out that it wasn't just a blown blood vessel. It was a stroke in my eye. Ouch. More than likely caused by high blood pressure Mm -hmm. rather than diabetes. Mm -hmm. So here's where I I cannot see out of the eye. Now you're you're gone. I I have much less vision than Before. when I then went right before the surgery. Wow. But here's the good thing. What's the good thing? We think it's going to clear up. Great. What they do when they do this eye thing, they leave mm. a bubble of air yeah. in there. Uh-huh. And and when I look down, I can see the bubble. Oh, really? I can see the bubble, but I can see my feet on either side bubble. of the bubble. No, either side of the bubble. So once the bubble goes away, I'm going to start seeing more. What I've got is um, floating um, remnants of blood in my eye. Yucca do. I refer to this as kind of like looking through milk. Muck. Looking through a milk container. You Muck. can't, of course, but yeah. if you look through a glass container of milk, yeah. you sort of get a fogged up, uh, yeah. you know. Uh-huh. It's, I just have to tell you, what a frustrating thing. Well, because but w- w- what's the timeline? Months, they, months. Months. It's going to be months before I get full use back. And even then, I don't know whether I'm going to get full use of the eye. Yeah. But I can tell you right now, if you are diabetic, you ought to, or if you got a high blood pressure, kind of take it seriously. Uh, there, is, there is a bad thing that happens to diabetics a lot that they go blind. Yeah. Okay. And I used to see... A, a doctor for my diabetes who wasn't a GP, he was a specialist. An endocrinologist. That's right. and That's what he was, an endocrinologist. And sadly, he always had two or three blind guys in the office. Oh, wow. You know, in the waiting room. And I thought, man, that is the last thing you want when you go to blind. that. Yeah. You, you, well, no, I mean, it's, there's that, yes, going blind. 
as an advertisement for the doctor to have oh, three blind guys sitting yeah. in your office. Well, this, th- listen, about three times a year, maybe four, someone will come to my office with, you know, chest discomfort thinking that I won't, you know, turn them away, which I don't. Okay. And that I will cure them in the office and then they're having a heart attack. Yeah. And so <laughs> we call 911 and they come. And I always want them to come in the back door, okay? Yes. Because going in the front door and then coming out the front door, and these little old ladies are sitting there and they're going, oh my gosh, you know, what have I done? I've come to a doctor's (laughs) office. They go in, they go out to the meat wagon. Yes. And um, it can happen. Yeah. And it happens to me three or four times a year that you have to call the ambulance and come in. Um, The worst advertising in my waiting room. Yeah. When people get in a fight. Oh, come on. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Political fights, especially. Really? Well, Johnson County is is obviously, um, you know, uh, to the right of, say, Wake County. Yeah. And I have had situations in my waiting room where, I'll tell you one story. Uh, this woman from Johnson County, we, had, we used to have a TV going. Okay. Yeah. Now we just have a TV with medical stuff. We used to have, you know, uh, guiding light and all that stuff. And then there was President Obama. And the woman said, I hate that guy. Oh. And the other woman took it as a racial slur, which can happen. It can be. Uh, and then they got in a fight. Huh. And literally, they were fisticuffing right and left. And then the one who didn't like President Obama was on the floor you know, getting pummeled. Yes. <laughs> and she gets her phone and you it turns it on and calls her husband and says, you know, Danny, that's not his name, bring the gun. <laughs> and so no. I had to call the police. Yeah, it was uh, bad advertising. Wow. <laughs> oh, yeah, listen, it's uh, a rockin' sock'em robot kind of place. Well, you can tell, really, honestly, if you just drive through Johnston County, if you drive like on 42, yeah, you can take 42 as a rural route uh-huh. through Johnston County. What happens is when you're in Wake County, you don't see so many Trump signs. Right. In Johnston County, oh, yeah. still, it's... there are Trump lawn yeah. signs. I mean, let's, let's talk about that a little bit. Um, there uh, are some, I would say everybody I know in Johnston County has a good heart. And they had worked hard for a living. Mm-hmm. And they um, have felt, and I think one of the reasons why Trump is so popular in Johnston County, is that they have felt marginalized by the powers that now be. Mm-hmm. Uh, ABC News, NBC News, CBS News, some of the CNN, some of the, the major media groups um, have targeted this, these individuals who are devoutly Christian, who are fundamentalist in some ways, who have raised their families um, to through poverty into middle class life. And that's really the major story that I see in Johnston County mm-hmm. in terms of my patients. They, so many of them grew up on dirt floors with, you know, kerosene lamps and heaters Mm -hmm. and outhouses and four acres where they grew tobacco and had their animals, and they were happy. Mm -hmm. And they went to school and, 
you know, they graduated 10th, 11th grade, went to work, and they had jobs in factories, and they had jobs in, you know, places that now are in China. Yeah. And their kids don't have those jobs, and they feel marginalized. And I see it in healthcare, and, and when they come in and see me, um, in that they're gracious, and they're, um, you know, they take their medicines, they don't want to know a lot of details for the most part, but a lot of them are sad and angry. Mm. And their life, the life that they knew, and the life that they led, um, is now somehow in the minds of, you know, liberals and things like that, um, a bad thing, you know? And hmm. they they treasure their lives. They treasure the way they grew up. Um, yeah, the bad things. There was a lot of racism in Johnston County. Um, I think it's a lot better. Um, did you know there was a sign up until 1996 on that bridge when you cross over Noose River into hmm. downtown? There was a sign. Welcome to Smithfield, home of the Ku Klux Klan. Oh, my. And that was there until 1996. Now, does that mean that we still think of Johnston County that way? No. Hope not. I love Johnston County, but I know why there are Trump signs, and that's why. Right. Well, that's it. Heart Health Radio will be back next week. We imagine that basketball might not be a factor next weekend is it going to be over by then uh well it could be for our guys oh, uh, you know okay. that's that if you uh, like heart health root against unc all right yeah <laughs> that's one way to say it this is heart health radio